The message you're about to listen to is a recording from God's favorite house. It is our prayer that you listen, your life will be transformed, and you will be taken to greater heights in your walk with Jesus. Amen. God bless you as you listen to this message. Father, today we ask that you breathe upon us. Teach us your word yourself. Change our lives. Take us higher still in you. And let your name and your name alone be glorified. Honor and glory be given to you. Honor and glory be given to you, Father. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. As you can see this morning, it's your move. <laughs> it's your move. And we will be looking at the story in Mark chapter 2, from verse 1. Mark chapter 2, verse 1. It says, when Jesus returned to Capernaum several days later, the news spread quickly that he was back home. Soon the house where he was staying was so packed with visitors that there was no more room, even outside the door. While he was preaching God's word to them, four men, everyone say four men, four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. They couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd. So they dug a hole through the roof above his head. Then they lowered the man on his mat right down in front of Jesus. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, my child, your sins are forgiven. But some of the teachers of religious law who were sitting there thought to themselves, what is he saying? This is blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. Jesus knew immediately what they were thinking, so he asked them, why do you question this in your heart? Is it easier to say to the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or stand up, pick your mat, and walk? So I will prove to you that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. Then Jesus returned to the paralyzed man and said, stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. And the man jumped up, <laughs> grabbed his mat, and walked out through the stunned onlookers. How did you think the man was walking? <laughs> you know, and everybody was like, stunned. Amazing. They were all amazed and praised God. 
exclaiming, we've never seen anything like this before. By the time this season is over, what God will do in your life, the people around you will be stunned. And people will say, we have never seen this before. Your family members, your, your, the aunties, they will call you, they say that in our generation, we've never seen someone disfavored by God before. In the name of Jesus. You see, and like this man, many times we come to God with something that we are challenged with. And we expect that God will just solve the problem. Yes, it will. But many times, God will go to the um, root cause. So, God, uh, he went and he said, oh, they brought him. He, he was paralyzed. And Jesus said, the root cause is sin. Your sin is forgiven. In that case, it was. Sometimes we come to Jesus with a, with a habit. We are tired of what we are doing over and over again. And we want him to help us overcome it. And he's saying, this is the root cause. You need to deal with the root cause. And like this man, many of us really can see ourselves in his story. He was handicapped. And that was a problem. And I know we've taught, we've, we've done a teaching on, on that, on that man. But now we are going to shift a little bit to the four guys, his friends. And look at what we can learn from them. Those four guys also represent you and I. They had a friend. Their friend needed God. It was their move. It was their move. Are they going to sit down and watch their friend? Or are they going to do something that will bring about the freedom of their friend? So, like those four guys, it is our move today. Yes, we are in a season where we have been fasting and praying. Miracles are happening already. People's lives have been transformed already to the glory of God. The question is, what are you going to do about the people around you that you know need God? They need an intervention from God. What are you going to do? The truth is this. Some people can't fulfill their destinies in God on their own. They need you. This man couldn't get to Jesus by himself. This man could not. He needed his friends. It's your move. It's my move. Jesus is already at home. Praise the name of the Lord. He's already releasing his word. The place is already getting full. It's your move. 
Why didn't they say, oh, this fellowship that's going on in Jesus' house, there's no more space. You know, church is getting full. You know, let me not bother inviting people. <laughs> nope. As long as Jesus is alive, we will keep reaching out to people for his kingdom. Praise the name of the Lord. So, what, what can we learn from these four friends that actually made a move that made a huge impact in the life of, of this paralyzed man? The first thing we'll see, seven things, you know, if you're writing, you need to write super fast. You know, seven lessons from the lives of these men. The first is this. They had compassion. They became concerned for a hurting friend. You see, many times we just don't even see our hurting friends. We don't see our hurting colleagues. They had compassion. They saw and they had compassion. Again, I mean, thank God for the testimony of the lady that God healed her eyes completely. Praise the name of the Lord. That's totally amazing. That's a creative miracle. <laughs> Glory be to God. Now, I'm curious. I don't know her personally, but I'm curious. Who brought her to church? Someone brought her to church. They had compassion. On, and there are people in your life. They are hooked on addiction. And you keep fighting them. Fighting them won't solve the problem. Bring them to Jesus. Praise the name of the Lord. They had compassion. We have neighbors. We don't even... We just... Zoom off. How do you know you care for people? How do you know you are not just branding yourself as a caring person? You know, some people say, oh, Pastor, I'm very caring. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a caring person. <laughs> How do you know that you really are a caring person? How you know is this. You know you care about someone if you notice their needs. There are a lot of needs in people's lives that are going unnoticed. Love is noticing other people's needs and doing something about it. Romans 15 verse 2 says, We should all be concerned about our neighbor. Just like the armed forces, young men are laying down their lives, literally. We just go on with life. We, we, I mean, oh, we see a video like, oh, we want to forward it quickly so that, you know, we are perceived as on top of happenings. But we really 
are not concerned. All that is going to change in the name of Jesus and God's presence. We have to actually be concerned. We have to actually see people's needs. God wants us to. We should all be concerned about our neighbor and the good things that we build is faith. We should all be concerned. Everybody. All. It's not for the visitation department. It's not for the uh, hospitality group. It's not for the pastors and the ministers. We should, how many of us? We should all, all be concerned. Everybody. We should be concerned. We should all be concerned. We should all be concerned. How many of us should want to get involved in this AFRD project that we are doing to take care of, of, of these young children that lost their fathers, to support the mothers. I spoke to one of the, mo the mothers of the soldier that died. What are we going to do? Are you going to be concerned? Are you going to just leave it to a few people? Are you going to pray for them? Are you going to commit to doing something about it? Even around us, there are things that are decaying. Oh, I need to go. There are things that are decaying and we just don't notice. It's easy to watch a movie you watch a movie. It's a dramatic movie. It's a romantic movie. Then there's a heartbreak. Somebody, oh, then they're giving you tissue. <laughs> and you're crying. Oh, so sentimental. Now, I mean, that's the night there for me, really. But the question is, when last did you cry over a real human being's need? When don't, you're not sitting in front of Telemundo. Uh, uh, all those Spanish <laughs> program. <laughs> you don't even know what I'm talking about. <laughs> First Corinthians 10. The word of God says in 1 Corinthians 10, 24, it says people should be concerned about others and not just about themselves. You see, the reason I'm not concerned about others is not because I'm evil. It's not because I'm a wicked person. The reason I'm not concerned about others is because I'm concerned about myself. I have bills to pay. I have people to take care of. I have this to do. I have that to do. I, so I just blocks my eyes. But the word of God says that we should be concerned about orders. 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 So the first thing we learn from these four friends is that they what? They had compassion. The second thing is that they had faith. They had faith. They believed Jesus would heal their friends. They actually believed that Jesus would heal their friends. Luke 4, 
Luke 5, 20. Luke 5, 20. It says, when Jesus saw their faith, he said, friend, your sin is forgiven. Yes, Jesus saw the faith of the man that was lowered. But you see, he took the faith of his friends to put the man's faith into position so that Jesus can respond to his faith. It's your move. You need to believe that God can step into that situation of your cousin, of your husband, or your wife. If you are going to put them and tie and, and drag them to I'm not saying you should do that. This man couldn't resist anyway. It couldn't work. But they, they had faith. They had faith. So what am I saying? What I'm saying is this. That God wants to use your faith in someone else's life. God wants to use your faith. Many times we want to use our faith for our own issues. No, but God wants to use your faith in somebody else's life. Romans 1.12 Romans 1.12 says, I want us to help each other with the faith we have. Your faith will help me and my faith will help you. God wants to use your faith in my life. And God wants to use my faith in your life. You look at me and say, Pastor, how can my faith do anything for you? Yes, it can. God wants you to use your faith in my life and my faith in your life. And God wants you to use your faith in other people's lives. I want us all to help each other, one and other. Your faith will help me, and my faith will help you. First Thessalonians 5, 11. So encourage each other and give each other strength. So the first thing we learned from these four guys is that they had what? Compassion. The second thing we learned is that they, they have faith. The third thing in the lives of these guys is that they had they showed and demonstrated action. 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 You know, my bad people. Action. Action. They didn't just pray, they took action. I don't even know how to say it anymore. They, they didn't just pray, they took action. They took action. Matthew 9. Matthew 9 3. Matthew 9 3. Two, sorry, says they brought to Jesus a man. This is the Matthew account. We're going to be shuffling between Matthew, Luke, the different accounts, but we are mainly on, on Mark. They brought to Jesus a man who was paralyzed and lying on the bed. They brought, they, they, they demonstrated. They must have prayed, but they acted. So, what are we saying? Prayer should be a motivation to act. Not an excuse for not acting. And that's a challenge sometimes with us. Maybe Nigerian Christians, maybe. Oh, we are praying, we are praying. Yes, you are praying. You are praying. It's time to act. It's your move. As this season comes, there are things and people in our lives that you're like, ah, this is going to be in service. You know, it would be good if this person, you know, 
um, if, if this person were part of it or if that person were part of it. Oh, but okay, fine. So but what are you going to do about it? Are you just going to pray? God says, no. Do something about it. Do something about it. Luke 14, 23. God says, go out into the highways and the edges and compel them to come in that my father's house, no, rather, that my house may be filled, Jesus was, was saying. So God doesn't say, pray for more people to come and experience my power and love and stop with that. He says, no, after you have prayed, go out and bring them in. Do something about it. What kind of friend are you? What actions are you going to take this season? What action are you going to take? What action are you going to take? So we see from these four guys that number one, they had what? Compassion. Number two, they had faith. Number three, they had action. Number four, they had persistence. They were persistent. They had persistence. They didn't let difficulties discourage them. You see, on the way to healing or on the way to a miracle, you are always going to have an obstacle. There's always an obstacle on the way to a miracle. Oh, that sounds good. I should have put that up. <laughs> you know, there's always an obstacle on the way to a miracle. Galatians 6 verse 9 says, let us not get tired. Sometimes we just are tired. You are tired of your wife. You are tired of your husband. You are tired of your children. You are tired of your cousin. You are tired of your neighbor. You are tired. I am just tired. God says, let us get tired. God says what? Let us not get tired. We will reap a harvest because the harvest will come. The harvest will come. They were persistent. I mean, these were four men. I mean, ladies may not fully understand this. When four men are on a project, there are different ideas because there will be at least two prevailing ideas. Because men <laughs> just have different personalities. But these men put their differences, quote unquote, and their personalities aside, and they were persistent together on the same mission. I mean, I'm going to take a look at how, they, how you know, there must have been, you know, different opinions later on. But they were persistent. They needed each other. Persistence is only sustained in community. No one can be persistent alone forever. 
persistence can only be sustained when you have a partner, when you have a friend. Join a life group. Our life groups are, are kicking off next week. Let's put our hands together for the Lord. Our life groups are house fellowships where we gather in clusters. Join one. You can last longer in the things that you decide to do when you have people of like minds pulling along with you. Second Peter. Second Peter 3. Verse 9. It says, God is patient. Because he wants everyone to turn from sin and no one to be lost. Even God is persistent. So, aren't you glad, for many of us, if you think about how you came to Christ, aren't you glad that someone kept dropping you at church or kept dropping that invite in your, in your house or kept sending you an SMS? Aren't you glad now that someone didn't give up on you? Someone was persistent. God is saying, you have to be persistent. You have invited someone to church. You have reached out to someone for Christ. And they've shrugged you off. Or they've given you a cold shoulder. It's okay. You feel bad. Go home. Look in the mirror. Say to yourself 50 times, it's not about me, it's about Jesus. It's not about me, it's about Jesus. It's about, on the 45th time, you'll be okay. <laughs> it's not about me, it's about Jesus. After you've said that 50 times, you go out and you invite them again. I've come again. <laughs> then they shut the door at you or they, they say something that's like, really not nice. You feel bad, it's okay, you are human. You feel like, ah. You know, if not for Christ, this kind of person can be talking. It's okay, you take it. But when you get home, you stand in front of the mirror and you say what? It's not about me, it's about Jesus. It's not about me. How many times? 50 times. On the 48th time this time, you'll be fine. You go out again. You invite this, this a service, God will service. God will invade your life. You need to be a part of it. Eventually, because you are not the only one working, God is working with you. And the more you reach out, the more God is working on their heart. Eventually. So number five. Number one. Number two. Faith. Number three. Pronounce it well. Good. Number four. Persistence. And the fifth thing we learned from these four guys is creativity. They were creative. They were creative. They dared to do something different. They looked at the situation. You see, many times we look at the situation and we say, well, I can't, it's not my fault. These things are just the way they are. I didn't come early to church, so I am outside or this and that. Blah, 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 blah. But this guy says, no, we have a mission. You have to create. If there is no road there, make the road. If there's no door there, break the wall and make the door. Praise the name of the Lord. They were creative. 
Creativity sometimes is born out of necessity. They say necessity is the mother of invention. But you see, some people have been in necessity without inventing anything. Africa. Not in recent times. Africa used to be great at invention. But in recent times. Necessity alone is not enough. Necessity with creativity leads to what tea? What do we do? What? Do we do? <laughs> what? Authenticity. <laughs> Praise the name of the Lord. So the point is this. They were creative. You may find yourself in the fix. God is saying it's your move. You're like, God, what am I going to do? God is saying, be creative. You say, God, there's no way. Make a way. God says, you make a way. You make a way. And you see, we are praying. God, we make a way where there seems to be. God says, I've heard that song a lot, a lot of time. <laughs> the way I can make, you can't make. The way you should make, I won't make. So when you have been praying, God, make a way, make a way, make a way, and it appears there seems to be no way, you are the one to make a way. You are the one to make a way. Uh -huh. Many times that's the case. You are just the one to make a way. So what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Luke 5, Luke 5, 19 it says, when they couldn't find a way, they couldn't find a way in. Because of the crowd, they went up to the roof and <laughs> removed the tiles. And let down, let him down in the middle of everyone, right in front of Jesus. They must be Nigerians. <laughs> Jump the queue. For good reason, not the way we do our own. What is God saying to us here? Simple. The question is for you and I. When was the last time you went through the roof for somebody else? When was the last time that you actually did something super crazy just because you wanted to help someone? No, nothing, in for, nothing in it for you. There was, there's no benefit for you. Just because you see a need, you care about somebody. You, you, when was the last time? If you can't readily think this message is for you, God is saying you need to change your ways. It's your move now. It's your move. When was the last time you... Raise the roof for someone else. When was the last time that someone had a free passage because you have cleared the way and you're not standing on the way about to collect tax or toll? You cleared the way for their good. When was the last time you did that? Hebrews 10, 24. 
He says, let us see how inventive we can be in encouraging love and helping out. God is saying, let's have it. Let's have a game. Let's see how inventive we can be. Let's see in helping out, in, 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 in showing love, in encouraging love. Let's see how inventive we can be. Let's see how inventive we can be. So God expects you to, to be creative in doing things, in, in helping out. God expects you to be creative. God expects you and I to be creative in helping out. So number one, they had what? We learned that they had compassion. Number two, they, we saw that they had faith. Number three, they took action. Number four, they were persistent. And number five, they were creative. They did, they, it was church unusual. Now, what will happen if GWDI, everywhere is packed, no seats in the overflow, car parks is filled with people, the power of God is alive, working, then you begin to hear movement on the roof, and so they took a knife and cut off, and they are lowering somebody. Now, what will the ushers do? <laughs> what will the security guys do? <laughs> but, you know, sometimes it's good to, to bring this thing home. You think it was easy what they did? Those guys had a creative mind. We are going to ignore everybody else. This is the objective. Mission mapped out. Mission accomplished. Number six, not only were they creative, we saw that these four men cooperated. We saw cooperation. They worked together. They worked together. Luke 5, 19. They went up on the roof and lowered the man on his mat through the ceiling into the middle of, I mean, of the crowd. They worked together. They cooperated. Like we said, four men on one project. Believe me, there will be one that will say, why should we go through the roof? Me, I'm afraid of climbing. I kid you not. Four men. There will be one that will say, you want to spoil somebody else's roof? This is disorder. We have to be civilized. I kid you not. Four men. Four men. And they cooperated. And they lowered this man. There will be one, at least, that will say, 
this is what we need to do. And there will be one, at least, that will say, I support you. This is what we need to do. Then they drown the other two. Then the other two now considers. That's how men are. They're like, okay, what are the chances? Very logical. Okay, let's do it. So, four men cooperated on a mission that is abnormal. It's your move. You need to learn how to cooperate. You need to learn how to cooperate. And many times the problem is we don't know how to cooperate. It's only your way or the highway. We are selfish. We have husbands and wives that don't want to cooperate. They don't want to cooperate. You have married a wife. She's not your slave. But she's in my house. She's my slave. Oh, really? <laughs> no, she's not. We don't want to cooperate. We don't want to cooperate over anything. People are on projects. They don't want to cooperate. But these men cooperated. They lowered the man. Imagine, and they have to do it in sync. Imagine they are lowering the, ma- the man. You know, four men, one is holding the tread on one end, the four corners. If one lets go, what happens to the man? So their hearts were connected. Their rhythm, their timing was connected. And there were four men. It's easy, easier, believe me, to get four women to do these kind of things. Women. (laughs) Really, really, it is. Women are more amiable, you know, compassionate. And, you know. Someone says, oh, Jesus' disciples were all men. This and that. I said, read it well. The ones that really made things work were the women in the background. They are the women, who, Even when they resurrected. Who's going to believe that story? It was the women that stayed. So, what am I saying? To get four men. You have to learn cooperation. In Exodus 31... The scriptures that is, we, we are inched on, for, inched on for a while talked about the Lord spoke to Moses. Say, see, I have named Bezalel. Verse 3, I have filled him with divine spirit, with knowledge, with intelligence, with ability, you know, every kind of craft. He says, I have personally appointed Oholiab, Son of Asimasa. What is happening here? God is saying, Moses, you are the leader. You hear from God. But I've chosen Bezalel to work with you. And I've chosen Ohohiab to work with Bezalel. You have to cooperate. Moses alone could not do the work, Bezalel alone could not do the work. Alone, could not, and the chain went down like that. Could not do the work. But they had to maintain their chain. Bezalel could not say to Moses, what are you saying? You can hear from God, I can hear from God. In fact, the name Bezalel means he that dwells 
in the shadows of the Most High. I have intimacy with God. You can't tell me that's what we are going to do. Then Bezalel will be out of the picture. They cooperated. We're better together. So number one is what? Compassion number two. Faith number three. Action number four. Number five. Number six. And number seven. If you get it, get a brand new car. Nobody said it. Number seven, sacrifice. <laughs> sacrifice. Sacrifice. They were willing to pay for the roof. The truth of the matter is that they were willing to pay for the roof. Now, imagine the house. It was Jesus' house. Did you know that? If you read it well. But Jesus was renting the house. Obviously, because Jesus didn't build any house. He didn't own any property. But it was Jesus' house. He was at home. He just got back from, from crusade. And people heard that he, he was around. Everybody came to his house. Now, they went to his roof. They tore his roof. What? The landlord came. And landlord said, Ah, you this boy. You are doing crusade in my house. See what you have done to my roof. Who is going to pay? I kid you not. If four men were going to tear up a roof to get something done, they were willing to pay for it. That's how men are. That's how men are. Real men, actually. But, but that's how men are. A man pays his way. Men are reasonable. Men are, if we are going to take, they've already calculated the cost. And they knew that push come to shove, we'll sort it out. But women are not like that. Women will have done a lot of women. Some women think like men do. I, I, I've met a few of them. Some of them are here. Now, but so most women are like that. They will have damaged the whole thing. Then they are like, they're looking at so, so what, who's going to do this? I, I didn't know. <laughs> so don't you know that this is going to cost something? Hey, how much was it again? <laughs> Let me call my husband. <laughs> Yeah, you see them on the phone, on the road. They've caused trouble. They've caused trouble. They are calling, eh, eh, somebody bashed my car. No, you bashed somebody's car. <laughs> so, so basically what are we saying? What we are saying is this. There's always a cost to bringing someone to Christ. There's always a cost. There's always a cost. Jesus Christ paid the ultimate cost on the, or cost on the cross of Calvary. He did. But there's always a cost. It will cost you time. It will cost us energy. It will cost us fasting. It will cost us sleepless nights when we are coming for vigils. There is always a cost. It will cost you rejection. It will cost you money. There's always a cost. To put together a service like a god willing service, there's a cost. There are people that are sacrificing for that service to hold. Did you know that? There's always a cost. There's always a cost. It's your move. It's your turn to sacrifice. This, this is going to be a cost. In Luke 16, 9, it says, Use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourself so that when it's gone, you will be welcome in eternal dwelling. 
You have to use your worldly wealth for eternal purposes. So the point is this. When you stop sacrificing, you actually stop living. And you start regressing. I've seen this happen a lot. So people, we started off, they are sacrificing, they are giving, and God is increasing them. They are sacrificing, they are pushing, then, then they stop. Then regression sets in. That will not be your case. In the name of Jesus. First Corinthians chapter 3, verse 9. First Corinthians 3, 9 says, We walk together as partners who belong to God. Who belong to God. Like I said, imagine the joy on the man's face. When Jesus says, pick up your bed and walk. Jesus said, get up. Pick up your bed and walk. What did the man do? The man says he jumped up. <laughs> Excitement. He carried his bed. And everybody were watching in amazement. And how was the man walking? He was bouncing. I could almost see him. Question. Jesus was still there teaching. So why was the guy going home? Or where was he going? His friends were still on the roof. They didn't come down. They actually ran down and they were outside watching. The man went to meet his friends. He went to meet his friends. You cannot forget the people that carried you. You can't. You can't forget the people that carried you. When you do that, you're asking for trouble. He went to meet his friends. Now, imagine, that's the joy of the man. He's going to meet his friends. He says, oh boy, see my leg. Ah, sharp, sharp leg. Oh, we're going to play football tonight. Now, the man is excited. Now, that's the joy of the man. Now, imagine the joy on the friends. Imagine the joy. See the lady, back to this testimony of the lady that God gave brand new eyes. Imagine the joy of the person that brought her to Jesus. Or brought her to church. Imagine the joy. Now, the, the question is, if the landlord came and is asking for the, the cause of, you give him a check and go. Let him go. What is the, what is, can you compare the joy of seeing God change a life to the amount you pay for things to happen? Totally incomparable. Totally. So it's your move. Are you going to show compassion? Are you going to show compassion on your, even your, your wife or your husband? Are you going to show compassion on your neighbor? Are you going to show faith? Are you going to show action? Are you going to show persistence? Are you going to show creativity? Are you going to show sacrifice? Are you going to sacrifice like this man sacrificed? It's your move. Let's bow our heart as we bow our head. It's your move. Let's not wait. You need to make that phone call immediately. 
make the phone call. There's nothing wrong in reaching out. I want to pray for you. If you're here, it's your move today to surrender to Jesus. You're like, Pastor, I want to give my life to Jesus. Can you pray with me? Yes, I want to pray with you. Should I come forward? No, you don't need to come forward. Wherever you're seated, I'll pray with you. Or I used to be with Jesus. Can I come back to him? Yes, you can. You can't come back to him. Can you pray with me, Pastor? Yes, I want to. Should I come forward? You don't need to come forward. Wherever you are seated. That is me, Pastor. Put up your hand now over your head. Quickly. If you put up your hand, put up your hand. Well, it's your move. It's God bless you, sir. God bless you, my brother. God bless you, my brother over there. God bless you. I see your hand. God bless you, sir. God bless you, my sister. Another hand there. Another hand there. Another hand there. God bless you, sir. God bless you, my sister in front. Right here in front. It's your move. God bless you. That is me. That is me. God bless you. Right there. Another hand right there. That far corner. God bless you. That is me. It's your move. It's your move. God bless you. Another hand there. God bless you. Keep your hands up. If you are online, the structures are scrolling. Once you have the card, you can pull down your hand. You are saying, Pastor, pray with me. God bless you. Right there. Keep the hands up. Keep it up. Keep it up until you get a card. Once you have the card, you can put it down so it's easier for us to locate other people. God bless you. Oh, another hand right here. God bless you, my sister. God bless you. That is me. If you, if you have the card, God bless you, sir. Another hand there. God bless you, my brother. God bless you, sir. God bless you. If you have the card, you can put on your hand and just say to Jesus, I, I, I surrender all to you. I come to you, Lord. I declare that you are the Lord of my life. I surrender to you, Lord Jesus. Father, we pray for every one of us in this place today as we take our steps of faith, as we make our moves, we thank you in advance for the miracles. We pray for everyone that is surrendering to you. We ask that you breathe upon them. Change these lives. Let your name be glorified. Honor and glory be given to you. In Jesus' mighty name, we are afraid. Amen. Let's put our hands together for the Lord. For his kindness, his mercies.